This podcast is a production of Schweitzer, a United Methodist Church, transforming lives by making disciples of Jesus Christ. Good morning. It's good to see you today. It's a... It's been a great week around here at Schweitzer. As you saw in the videos uh, just a uh, few minutes ago, we had about 400 plus kids that showed up on Monday to experience Thailand Trek. That was the vacation Bible school for this week. And they got to, they got to take a journey uh, through videos and through stories, through experiences to see what Thailand was about, to see what kids in Thailand uh, experience what their culture's like, uh, to experience some of the foods that they eat. And they learn to say hello in, in Thai. They learn to say sawadi. Can you say sawadi? Oh, that was, that was kind of, that was kind of low there. Can you say sawadi? Very good. I, I don't know. I think you, I think you all need to eat your Wheaties before you come to church. But, uh, <clears throat> anyway, so. So they learned to say Sawadee. They learned about Thailand. They also learned about God. Uh, some of the stuff they learned about God, they learned that God is real. God is love. God is forgiving. And God is forever. I had a great experience interacting and connecting with God. And, and then they also learned how to serve. That they, they're not just participants. They don't get to just participate in, in VBS or have a program put on for them. But they're invited to be a part of what God is doing. So one of the, one of the things that we invited kids to do is we invited them to bring uh, some things for our food pantry. And then Thursday, the fourth and fifth graders, their task on Thursday was to take the things that had been collected, take them over to the food pantry, see how the food pantry works, and see how that contribution takes shape and how that blesses other people. We also invited kids to bring in some change. Every year they bring in change and make an offering. And they brought, they brought in change to help uh, with, with a project to buy a new delivery truck that we have. Our old delivery truck we call Tweety. Tweety needs replaced. So we're collecting some, some resources for Tweety. And I'll never forget the look of seeing a, a boy of about four years old come in, the, come in the door. And he had this, this plastic bag, his offering. And he had change in there. He had stuffed in there. And he was carrying it with both hands. Like it was so heavy that it was going to drop if he, you know, if he only held it with one hand. But he, he carried it in, chest high, like, see, I'm a part of this deal. And that, that image was striking to me because here's this young boy getting a sense of, of I can be a part of what God's doing. I can make a contribution. I'm just not somebody who's wearing the shirt and having fun and it's not all about me, but I get to give. I get to participate. And I just, uh, it, was, it was such a fun week and it's, and it's such a good visual to, to realize that that We've got kids growing up in the midst of us. And there's not, not just kids, but teenagers and all kinds of people who are finding a place to serve, finding a, a place where they've got a passion and ability that they can put into motion. One of the other things you saw on the video, uh, you saw a number of people in blue shirts. Those were the, the guides, the helpers. And one of the great things to watch in the, in the midst of all those helpers is that we had people who had been been a part of Vacation Bible School since Moses started it. And, and then we had people who were like moving into seventh grade, <clears throat> where it was their first opportunity to be a part of being a guide, being a helper, being somebody who would serve others. And they just loved it. They had a, they had a great time. One of the things that, uh, well, communities 
healthy communities recognize and, and realize is that we've, we've all got to be at a point of passing things along, of making space for people to, to jump in, to be a part of, of leading and guiding and, and helping out other people. And it was a great experience to see that take place this, this year at Vacation Bible School. Um, that connects, the end of Vacation Bible School connects with the end of the series that we've been in with regard to Elijah. Last week, Pastor Bob brought us to a place where Elijah is getting ready to depart and he's, he's near the end of his ministry. And, and then we, we listened as Elijah was taken up to be with the Lord. But as Elijah, Elijah comes near the end of his ministry, he really begins to think about what's next. What's the next stage? And so there develops this sense of a protege in the person of Elisha. And so today we're going to focus on Elisha, the protege of Elijah. Um, as we do that, I'd like to show you a slide that um, I saw recently. This was brought to us by a guy by the name of Ken Willard. Ken is a, he's serving as a, as a coach for me and, and some of the rest of our team here at Schweitzer to think how, how we take some um, things that we're learning and put them into place. And Ken came recently to talk about mentoring and to talk about leadership, recruiting, and development. And one of the things that he showed us was this slide on mentoring, steps along the way. Now, Pastor Bob asked us last week, he said, you know, who in your world is learning from you and who are you, you learning from? Well, once you... Uh, you get that sort of figured out, who's a, who's a mentor of yours and who are you mentoring. These steps in, in mentoring are, are a, a really good steps to put into place. You'll find them on the front of your Pray, Study, Grow. And these steps are, are not anything new. They've been around for a long time. They, they go back. You can find them in lots of literature on leadership and developing other people. But there was something that Ken did that I found new, at least for, for me, for the first time. You see, uh, uh, the first two things in each of those lines talks about I do, you watch, I do, you help, you, you do, I help. Well, I've, I've seen those and probably most of you have seen those, at, at least at some point along the way. But what I had never seen on a list anywhere was that third item at the end of each of those lines where we talk, where we talk. And that was something that I had begun running into in some of the some of my own reading and, and literature and, and some of my own experience because I've got a couple of teenage sons and it hit me recently that I've really got to get them ready not just um, spiritually but I've got to get them ready too to face a lot of different things in life and so one of the things that's been just a burden on my heart is when I'm working in the yard or working in the garage or working somewhere in the house that I want to bring them alongside of me so that they can watch some of the things that they that I'm doing so that they can help and so that I, then I can begin releasing them to do some things so that they gain skills and abilities and a real sense of confidence. But as I looked at this list, I noticed that one of the things that I needed to start putting in place was the idea that we talk. After, after an experience, that we come back around and we say, how did that go? What was that like? What would you do well? What, what could we have done differently? How would we improve the next time? And uh, this, was a, this slide was just a great help. So that in mentoring, to really boost mentoring along, when you're, when you're developing somebody else, you have time to not only do, but then you have time to reflect. And you reflect on, and, and then you learn where you can grow. And so the next time becomes better. So Elijah and Elisha 
I see this playing out in their life because one of the things that Pastor Bob suggested to us was that Elisha was following Elijah around. In fact, when Elijah first came and he called Elisha, and he, he called him from working in the fields to being somebody who followed a prophet, Elisha made a, a pretty dramatic break from the past and he began to follow Elijah. And then from that moment until the time that Elijah is taken up by the chariots, we don't hear anything about Elisha. It's almost like the focus stays on Elijah and Elisha's just somewhere in the background. Except there's an interesting line couple passages or a couple chapters over from the king of Israel. He calls Elisha the cupbearer to Elijah. That is to say that Elisha was somebody who wasn't just in the background, but he was somebody who was, who was close to Elijah, who talked with Elijah, who spent time listening and watching and doing and then reflecting at the end of the day. Oftentimes I have a coffee cup with me. And I like to even at the end of the day have a coffee cup and sip some coffee and reflect upon what has transpired in the day. There's a lot of learning. There's a lot of mentoring that takes place in those moments where you reflect. So Elisha begins to take up the mantle of Elijah. And he begins to pray. He begins to think, where is the Lord leading us as a people? Um, One of the things that Elisha says, right before Elijah's taken up, Elijah asks him, what would you have for me? And he says, I'd like a double portion, a double blessing. Elijah says, well, I can't give it to you, but if you see me when I go, then, then you can have it. Essentially, what Elijah, uh, Elisha is asking at that moment, he said, you know, Elijah, I've seen God do incredible things in the midst of your life. And what I would really like for my life is that I would continue to see God do more of what he's been doing in your life. I'd love for God to, to be about the business of, of bringing more of his, of his life into, into our midst. Uh, Elisha was able to see God do things like healing and, and bring about justice and bring mercy into place. And so it's like this is Elijah, Elisha's prayer that what God has been doing in the life of Elijah, God would simply press the pedal more and he would continue to do more of in his own life, in his own ministry, that he'd bring more healing and more justice and more mercy and more faith and more worship uh, into play that really God would simply bring more of himself. That's Elisha's prayer. And as he prays that prayer, it's like God begins to answer because God seems to have uh, a great heart for when people pray for more of of what God is interested in. Um, This past, or a couple weeks ago, it was really interesting to be around Dawn Thompson. Uh, as, As she started to see VBS coming into view because she'd been praying for it and a number of people have been praying for vacation bible school and the closer we got to vacation bible school the registration of, of kids began to to jump and leap in numbers and so as we approached monday this past monday dawn was like i think we're going to have a lot of kids 
And she'd been praying for a lot of kids, right? And then over 400 kids came through the door and Dawn was like, I don't know that we prayed for this much, but God's good. God, God keeps bringing more. And it's, and it's like that in Elisha's life. Like he begins to pray for more and it's like God is happy to bring an answer to that prayer. It's almost like, too, that if you begin to really ask God for more of himself, we have to be ready. We have to be ready on the, on the flip side for God to do his work. And sometimes when God does his work, he begins to take our breath away. So Elisha prays for more and God, God does it. Uh, there are moments when there's no bread and, and, and yet... A, Elisha is able to see God work a miracle. In fact, there's a miracle that almost foreshadows the miracle of Jesus feeding the 5,000. There's a time when Elisha visits somebody and, and somebody's died and Elisha's able to pray and they come back from the dead. This past week, I, I visited somebody in the hospital and I came back and Mary Beth at the, at the front desk in our office, she said, well, did you raise the dead? And I said, no, I don't think I raised the dead today. I just, just got to pray with some people. But then I thought about that. thought about that because Elisha raised the dead. And What is it for us to raise the dead? How do we see God at work raising the dead in our own midst? I thought about, you know, if we carry the hope and the faith of Christ within us, if we carry the glory of God, don't we encounter people who are dead? or whose dreams are dead, and who are stuck in some place, and they need somebody to come along to pray with them, to encourage them, to speak life into their own life. I guess I'll have to go back to Mary Beth and say, I hope the dead are being raised. I hope the dead are being raised when I, when I come along their way. Because I hope the glory of Christ is in me, and I hope... The presence of Christ is doing his work in the lives of others. I hope to God that the dead are being raised. Elisha started to pray for more. More of God. More of what God had been doing in in Elijah's life to take place in his own. As as you look over the story of Elisha, it's a a good long story. It takes up a good share of of the first part of 2 Kings you'll notice that there's this question that begins to be asked in the midst of all the story. It's not, a, it's not written down. It's not a question that's written down, but it's a question implicit within the text to us, the readers. And the question is this. What do you pray for? What do you ask God for more of? What do we ask God for more of? A couple of weeks ago, I was at my in-laws. And my in-laws have a couple of dogs, a couple of... Uh, what, what, what breed is this, Pastor Jim? I don't, uh, Doberman. Doberman Pinchers. There you go. Yeah, they've got a couple of Dobermans. I can't remember the, the breeds of dogs. I just know that they're really good dogs. And uh, this dog, Ruby, she just loves affection. She can't help but ask for more affection. So I, as I was sitting at the table, uh, I was thinking about a lot of things. We were having great conversation. Ruby would come up to me. And if I had my hands on the table, she'd bring her nose and she'd, she'd put it right underneath my wrist and she'd pop my wrist like that. She'd pop my wrist. She'd keep popping my wrist until I, 
until I would stroke her on the neck or stroke her back. And then I'd go back to put my hands on the table and she'd keep popping my hand. She knew what she wanted, what she wanted more of. She did that. She asked for more of it. What do we ask God for more of? One of the things I've discovered in, in my own prayer life is that oftentimes I have a hard time asking God for more things in my own life. Partly because I just feel incredibly blessed. And, and I, I struggle to pray in some sense for myself. Um, but I feel great capacity. And, and it's like there's something that comes alive when I begin to pray for others. And I don't know if it's because it's because um, a sense of seeing uh, of of Jesus saying you know to love your neighbor, and so in in that way praying for your neighbor begins to grow one's capacity for love there. But it's just like when I begin to hear somebody else's story, to know where they're at, to begin to imagine where God's at, I begin to pray for them. It's like there's just this passion that grows in my heart and this capacity to pray. For somebody else. And Elisha begins to pray, God, would you just show more of yourself? Not only to me, but to the people around us, to Israel, to the people that we encounter. As Elisha prays that prayer for more, there's a guy who comes around in the story and his name is Naaman. And you'll find the story in 2 Kings 5 because God seems to be answering Elisha's prayer for more in the midst of this story of Naaman. Uh, we'll read the story here. Naaman was a general for the king of Aram. He was a great man and highly regarded by his master because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. This man was a mighty warrior but he had a skin disease. Um, now, Aramean riding parties had gone out and captured a young girl from the land of Israel. And she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, I wish that my master could come before the prophet who lives in Samaria. He would cure him of his skin disease. So Naaman went and he told his master what the young girl from the land of Israel had said. Then Aram's king said, Go ahead. I'll send a letter to Israel's king. So Naaman left. He took ten kikars of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. He brought the letter to Israel's king, and it read, Along with this letter, I'm sending you my servant Naaman, so you can cure him of a skin disease. When the king of Israel read the letter, he ripped his clothes. He said, What? Am, what? am I God to hand out death and life? But this king writes me, asking me to cure someone of a skin disease. You must realize that he wants to start a fight with me. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that Israel's king had ripped his clothes, he sent word to the king, How did you rip, or why did you rip your clothes? Let the man come to me. Then he'll know that there's a prophet in Israel. Naaman arrived with his horses and chariots. He stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent out a messenger who said, Go and wash seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and become clean. But Naaman went away in anger. He said, I thought for sure that he'd come out, stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over 
the bad spot and cure the skin disease. I almost think of like he wants Cinderella to show up, right? With a, fairy, with a wand, a fairy, just wave it over the spot and all will be well. And Elisha's like, no, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, Naaman keeps going, aren't the rivers in Damascus, the Abana and the, and the Farpar, better than all Israel's waters? Couldn't I wash in them and get clean? So he turned away and proceeded to leave in anger. Naaman's servants come up to him, uh, or came up to him and spoke to him. Our father, if the prophet had told you to do something difficult, wouldn't you have done it? All he said to you was, wash and become clean. So Naaman went down and bathed in the Jordan seven times, just as the man of God had said. His skin was restored like that of a young boy, and he became clean. He returned to the man of God with all his attendants. He came and stood before Elisha, saying, Now I know for certain that there is no God anywhere on earth except in Israel. Please accept a gift from your servant. But Elisha said, I swear by the life of the Lord I serve that I won't accept anything. Naaman urged Elisha to accept something, but he still refused. Then Naaman said, If not, then let me, your servant, have two mule loads of earth. Your servant will never again offer entirely burned offerings or sacrifices to any other gods except the Lord. But may the Lord forgive your servant for this one thing. When my master comes into Rimmon's temple to bow down there and he's leaning on my arm, I must also bow down in Rimmon's temple. When I bow in Rimmon's temple, may the Lord forgive your servant for doing that. And Elisha said to him, Go in peace. There is a lot that's happening in this story. There's a number of things that we can point to and draw from. There's Elisha, this enemy of, of Israel, enemy of, of Elisha, who God seems to have favor for. There are the unnamed servants who uh, speak into Naaman's life. The servant girl, the slave girl that's been captured and taken away and now serves in Naaman's life and uh, in Naaman's house. And she speaks up at, at a pivotal moment so that healing can come to Nathan. And there's Naaman's servants who travel with him who, who go unnamed. And yet these unnamed servants have courage to speak into Naaman's life. And when they do, Naaman's receptive to it. And he hears that. And he's able to find God at work in his own life. There's also a, a story, a background story of, of people who are enemies, of, of Naaman going from taking a letter from his king to the other king and how kingdoms can sometimes come in conflict and kingdoms can be uh, concerned about other kingdoms. And so there's a lot of anxiety within the midst of that story. And the king of Israel doesn't know what to do. And, and that's simply showing us that there are moments in, in lives when we can think about power, we can think about money, we can look to all kinds of things to solve our problems, and yet there's, a, there's an insufficiency in those places. There's also something rather significant about pride. Naaman is a proud guy. He's a general. He's, he's conquered lots of things. And so when he's told to go to Israel, he takes a lot of great stuff with him. Not only is he pride, but he's showing how big his pride is by all the stuff that he takes with him. He goes to the king because, of course, it's the king that, that if you're a proud person, you go to look for, 
for resources from and help from, but he doesn't know what to do. And, and then when he's sent to the prophet's home and the prophet doesn't come out to greet him, his pride is offended. And when the prophet says, go down in the river, his pride is offended. The river Jordan, why would you go to the river Jordan? It's a puny thing. If you're going to go into a river, you want to go into a great river. That's where somebody who's proud goes. And, and the servants just say, you know, sometimes your pride is getting in the way of what God wants to do. All those things are there, and you can, even, you can find more than those things. But there's something rather strategic at the end of this story that I want to point you to that's in the, printed on the front of your Pray, Study, Grow. And that's the whole point where after Naaman's been healed, he comes back to Elisha. And he says, Elisha, I want to thank you for being an instrument of grace to me, for, for, for letting God's healing come into my life. And I want to give you some, some gifts, and Elisha won't turn, he, he won't accept them. He turns them down, and Naaman says that a couple different times. And then Naaman says this, he says, I know that God is real. I know that I need to worship Him. I want to worship Him. So, so let me take back some, some basketfuls of dirt to my homeland. So that whenever I worship I can be reminded and I can worship the God who is real. The God who has healed me. The God who's been at work in my life. And there's something really significant about that, that aspect of, of Elijah being a minister of grace to somebody outside of Israel. See, because one of the things that God has always had a heart for is that the entire world, everybody on the face of the, of the world would know, would know the God who loves them. I would know that they are blessed and that they can, they're cared for and that they can be in relationship to God. See, God has a passion for the world. He, he talked about that passion for the world when he talked with Abraham, when he talked with Moses. And here's Elisha. He begins to pray that God would do more stuff in his own life, and he brings Naaman along the way. And Naaman is somebody who represents God's passion for the world. And Elisha says, take it. Take the dirt of Israel. You don't really have to take the dirt, but take the dirt of Israel. And go in peace and worship God in that place. The fire that Elijah began to kindle of praying God for God's work and God's presence in Israel is kindled and it begins to inflame within Israel and it begins to spread to other places what happens when a protege sees what God is up to and begins to pray for more and God begins to spread it. K.J. Rolke is, a, is new to our team here at Schweitzer. And K.J. for many years has been a protege. And now he's stepping into a role where he's being asked to lead and, um, and, and he's doing a great job of it too, by the way. But he's, he's taken those things that he's learned as a, as a mentee, as a protege. And he's beginning to share those things with the rest of us. I sat down this past week with KJ and I asked him about who his mentors were, what they showed him, and what he's praying for. I'd like for you to take a listen to his, to his responses. You've had a lot of people in your life that have poured into you, kind of like we're thinking about Elijah and Elisha, that sense of a mentor and a mentee, uh, uh, somebody follows up on, on Elijah's ministry. And who are some of the 
people that have just really poured into your life and um, have shown you Christ and have been great examples to you? Yeah. Uh, growing up, I had a few really key men uh, pour into me in a big way. Um, my youth pastor, uh, he grew up as a, as a missionary kid in Chile and um, was also a worship leader. Uh, and so he was really formative for my um, understanding what it means to be a Christian, what it means to submit your life to Christ uh, and to make him Lord of your life. Uh, he was also uh, a really big advocate for my being in worship and um, really encouraged me to, to step into a leadership role within the youth group at the time. Um, and would take me and we would go uh, do worship in places. And so that was really fantastic to have that being poured into me. What's that inner dialogue like or that inner that conversation of your own, of your own heart that says, you know what, I want to be a part of that. Like I, I, I want to take this example and then I want, to, I want to see that replicated in my own life. It was always impressive to me how... Uh, the the adults that mentored me served Christ, uh, especially those adults that weren't full-time ministry staff. So whether uh, he was kind of a blue-collar um, handyworker or whether the person pouring into me was a, you know an IT, like software developer kind of guy, uh, they all were passionate about things and ministered to people within their walks of life. Uh, I toyed around with the idea of being a rock star like every child does. Uh, and then I found out that they tour you know, like 200 days out of the year. And I was like, well, I want a family. I'm not, I don't want, that's not the life for me. Um, so as I grew up, uh, I was just looking for opportunities to serve. And I always saw you know, music every week, um, at least twi- twice a week in the church. And so that was what led me to say, yeah, that's how I want to get involved. That's how I want to um, devote my life is I've got these musical giftings. So being in church ministry... Uh, and specifically worship ministry uh, was just the most logical option. What kinds of things do you ask God for, um, ask God for more of? Um, what, is, what are the things that you've seen that you want to build on uh, yeah. from, those, from those mentors? Um, I've seen the people in my life care about people, uh, and they do it in a way that is authentic, that is genuine, um, so I ask God just to give me, um, you know, break my heart for what breaks yours, Lord, uh, is a prayer that I've prayed a lot. Um, and, like, give me eyes to see and help me to connect to the people that I need to connect with and say, how's your heart? You know, how can I be caring for you? And then, in a, in a grander scheme, uh, how can the songs that I choose for Sunday minister to the people that I know need ministering to? You know, how can we give voice to that in a way um, that is redemptive, uh, in a way that reflects... Uh, a biblical mindset. Um, so that's what I what I really pray that God um, would grant me more of, and uh, you know, give me the ability, um, the wisdom, the empathy to care about people's hearts. Well, thanks, thanks for your time. Uh, thanks for being here at Schweitzer. Thanks for your heart to lead us, to encourage us, and to uh, show us Christ. Yeah, it's my pleasure. I'm excited to be here. He's just got a great heart. He's also got great dance moves. I think God's been blessing him all along the way. At the beginning of this series on Elijah, 
Pastor Bob said that this is an epic story, and Elijah's story and Elisha's story are both really epic stories. But you know, neither one of those characters set out to live an epic life and to have an epic story. Both of them simply set out seeking to follow God with a pretty simple prayer. God, bring us more of you, more of your life, more of your presence. Link our heart with yours. We as a reader, we get to see it as an epic story. God really at work. The question for you and for myself is, how are we praying, asking God for more?